0: You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is June 20th, 2017. My name is Philip Reich. I'm the expert in site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com, and we are T-minus two days away from the NBA draft. And To get us set, we have a mega draft preview today. I'm joined by uh, our good friend from Orlando Pinstripe Post, Aaron Goldstone. Aaron, welcome to the show. How, how are you doing this day?
1: Great. I'm great, Phil. Thanks for having me on. I yeah. really appreciate it. I'm a big fan of your, your podcast. You do a great job covering the Magic.
0: I, I, I appreciate it. Uh, appreciate it a lot. Um, of course, the Magic made a big deal on Tuesday acquiring Disney for their jersey. A uh, big draft day, big draft move there for for the Magic, uh, but it is a uh, it is a crazy time in the NBA right now, uh, and the draft seems like it is a second der- secondary story almost at this point. Um, but we're going to focus on the draft. We're not we're not going to talk a lot about what's going on kind of outside of it, at least as much as we have to. Um, you know, obviously the Sixers have traded into the top pick uh, from the Boston Celtics. What what are your overall impressions of this dra- of this draft? Before we start diving into some of the prospects, So we're going to do a quick kind of rundown of the top five or six picks, um, as the magic as the magic uh, will have a very high pick and, and have very good chance of getting a very good player.
1: Uh, I'm a you know I'm a big fan like everyone else is of the the guys at the top of this draft. Um, you know I watch a lot of college basketball, so I've kind of been you know following them since since October, November, and um, you know I think what's pretty cool about this draft is if you look at the top ten or eleven guys that are going to be selected, they're all, um, they're all freshmen last year in college. So, um, I don't know if you caught it yesterday. Aaron Fox was kinda of doing the ESPN Bristol First Take Sports Center Did you know. Right around. And um he brought up how he's been playing with Jason Tatum, Lonzo Ball, yada yada yada, Josh Jackson. He's been playing with them since middle school basically, you know, A A U circuit and high school. So um, you know, I think that's a pretty cool dynamic. That there's just so much talent, um, young talent. You know, um, but you know, unfortunately, some teams are gonna have to wait a little while on these guys. But you know, that makes it that makes it exciting. I mean, something's got to be exciting for, for Magic fans. <laughs> yeah. We're kind of used to this this deal with the lottery um, by now. But but yeah,
0: you know, a lot a lot of people for a long time said that this was the the best draft class since 2003 which i think is going a little far but at the top of this draft has there been a draft class this good at the top say top six seven eight picks it, it, you know how, how 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 good is the top this top six seven eight i mean i i know i've had people tell me you know uh, you know the the mat you know when the magic fell to six in the lottery there were a lot there's a lot of disappointment but i've been telling everyone that that'll listen the, the sixth pick in this draft is still really, really, really good. This isn't like we're drafting, you know, even Mario Izzonia at five. This is a really, really good draft, especially at the top.
1: Yeah, I mean, skill position guys, they all, um, you know, relatively can shoot respectively. And, I mean, you know, when was the last time you remember a draft where there wasn't a big man, 6'11", um a traditional big that wasn't projected to be one of the top, you know five or ten picks i mean really you get down to to mark in before you get to like a big a seven footer um and even he could shoot so you kind of see these guys in the mold of where the nba is heading you know skill um guards gadget swing forwards whatever you want to call them um and something else kind of interesting is markel fultz right how many people have really watched him that much because he played on the west coast and you know washington wasn't and he was very injured good, for a while too stuff like that he was banged up. Um, even Alonzo Ball, I mean, I know UCLA is on TV a lot and stuff, but, you know, playing in the, the Pac-12 conference and UCLA didn't go on the run in the tournament that people maybe thought they were going to, a lot of these guys just, people haven't really watched them. They've heard that they're pretty good, but they really haven't seen a lot of them. So maybe that's, you know, there's something to that that, that mystery, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, and of course the draft is, is a game of mystery, and it's interesting you bring up the the center thing that, and you're right, there really isn't any centers in, in the top six, seven, eight players. I mean, I guess depending on how you rate Laurie Markkinen, um, but at the same time, there are a lot of centers in the back end, middle of this draft. You know, your Ikeana Bogus, Bam Metabios, Jared Allen, Zach Collins, you know, even John Collins to some extent. Those are play, you're I think you're absolutely right that those are players that I think in previous drafts, maybe five, six years ago. Those guys would have been in contention to be among the top players, uh, and this draft would have looked really, really good. I, I think the NBA has changed that quickly, uh, that, that a lot of those players and their skills are kind of being downgraded as we enter this draft. Um, before we start diving into some of the individual prospects, I want you to evaluate this statement for me. Um, this is something I've said on the podcast uh, several times already. Uh is the number six pick... Is this pick the Magic are about to take in the draft better than any player they've taken since the rebuild began? Uh, Essentially, is, I, is the player... I'm going
1: okay, to I, I, say no, and that's maybe okay. because I was I was more... I'm probably the wrong person to ask because I was more of a Victor Oladipo okay. fan than, than most... Um, you know early on with Oladipo it was brutal but he was being played just out of position I mean let's call Mm -hmm. it you know what it was he wasn't a point guard you saw progression every year and I think by his third year um, I liked where his career trajectory was was going Um, you know I don't know if They'll take a player that will be as steady as Victor Oladipo, but they'll probably take a player at six that has a a chance to be, you know, have a higher ceiling, I guess is what they would say. You know, Um, hit or miss, I guess.
0: Okay. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, You know, I I think that the player of the Magic will take at six. They would have taken it two. When they drafted Oladipo, they would have taken it four when they drafted Aaron Gordon, and they would have taken five when they drafted Mario Zonia. I think that the kind of player they're about to get in this draft is the player that Rob Hennigan was waiting three years for, essentially, and never got, never really had the chance to draft. I mean, if I think if Rob Hennigan would have had the chance to draft the player that, that Jeff Weltman's going to get to draft, then... You know the the whole complexion of Magic history or the last four years changes. I, that, that's that's my opinion. That's you know, and I've said I'm kind of lower on the draft. I don't think there's that transcendent talent to put it in the put it in like the 2003 range because in 2003 there were three or four transcendent talents in that draft. But right, but still, these are the kind of players the Magic were, were praying for in the draft for several years and just could not get.
1: Yeah, and I think Weltman and Hammond, I, I think they would probably agree with you more than me because, I mean, you kind of heard them yesterday say that they can make an argument um, that the guy that the Magic are going to get at six, you know, could be someone that was picked at one. So in their eyes, one, six, there's a little difference there. They They, they sound like they like the top of this draft. Um, as well
0: so yeah yeah I'm not willing to go that far but uh, but, but good but good <laughs> right. on them for, for for selling for selling that uh, let's let's run through these first six seven picks uh, as, as, as we kind of break down what's what's going what could happen on Thursday and talk a little bit about the prospects as well um, first pick it's gonna be Markel Fultz uh, but what did you think of Boston's decision to trade the trade down to three and bring in some more assets so was that something that surprised you, or, or what was your general reaction to to the trade to, to kind of kick off this crazy draft week we were having?
1: Um, you know, right away, you know, I thought it was was pretty poor. I mean, you never want to you know truly judge something until you see it play out. You know, if they're able to now Boston flip number three for a win right away, you know, Jimmy Butler or, or you know whoever um, Paul George, then then okay. But if they're just going to take another guy at three. And keep collecting assets. Um, you know, I think they probably should have just gone with with folds. I mean, not only is he clearly, I think, in a tier separate than everyone else in this draft, but you're getting the best player, and you're getting something that kind of makes sense for their roster. You know, with Thomas and Bradley hitting free agency next year, um, you know, he's a guard that would have given them more insurance, where they are not going to have to maybe now overpay for Isaiah Thomas or something like that. So. It's just something that I don't really understand now but there may be a bigger picture down the road. I didn't I didn't like it um at first. I, I told you, you know, I was talking to you before we got on here. I was on uh vacation last week. Uh, I took my family to uh Outer Banks in North Carolina and it was like I was kind of on Twitter, Twitter nothing nothing and I go down to the beach, I come back and all of a sudden the first pick and <laughs> trade and it was like holy cow what is going on like it always ha- happens, happens that happens way so fast exactly always
0: happens to me on the trade deadline I'll go to the gym and, and all hell breaks loose
1: yep that seems like that's uh, that's kind of what happens it's like they're they're watching us refresh refresh and as soon as we step away you know uh, something goes down
0: yeah uh, certainly it, it it definitely feels like Boston's in a position where they've got to start cashing in some of these chips their time to strike I think is now um, uh, there's obviously a few players who seem ready to uh, to to move to move uh, locations, change addresses, and Boston, as a conference finalist, is in a position to grab them. They've got all the assets uh, to 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 get them, and, and I think this was a move to to do that. And I think they like who's going to be available at three. So we all know Markel Fultz is going to be one. It seems like from reporting that I'm seeing today. Who knows if that's true, uh, but. Lonzo Ball will go two. Do you ha I mean I people seem to be mixed on Lonzo Ball for some reason. I I still think he's a the clear number 2 pick in this draft. On um, this Fultz on one tier, Lonzo Ball is maybe a step and a half below him. Uh but Lonzo Ball's alone to me there and I think he's he's pretty clearly the number 2 pick and the guy that the Lakers should take.
1: Yeah, yeah, me too. Absolutely. Um you know, ever since UCLA was balanced out of the tournament by Kentucky, I think Lonzo is kind of taken a hit, you know, in the court of public opinion because of his dad, obviously. And I think people forget the kind of year Lonzo Ball the player had, you know. And if you could separate those two, um, you know, for me, he's clearly the number two. Um, His biggest game under the microscope was against Darren Fox, and obviously Fox got the better of him. But you still, again, can't judge the prospect by by one game. I, I think clearly... Um, Ball is, is number two, and I, I think the Lakers think that too. They're just kind of playing the game and seeing, you know, if there's anything out there, you know, but but I think Ball has always kind of been their guy.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and, and the thing I like about Lonzo Ball is it just seems like he has such control over the game, and especially for a player that young. Like, he just has a—I I love the rhythm in which he plays. Right. Uh, you right. know, it's it, you can just tell that, that that guy is a point guard. I, I know one of my staffers does not believe he's a point guard, at all, but um, <laughs> right, yeah, I, 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 don't see that. I think he, he put the ball in his hands and let him create for others. He's a really, really, really good passer. Uh, in addition to to all that, but those two picks seem pretty set. And so I think the first real decision of this draft comes at number three. Uh, you know, I don't know. We're not going to straight mock. We're not going to straight mock draft this. But mm-hmm. you know, what what do you what do you think Boston's looking for at number three, other than to trade it for Jimmy Butler?
1: You know, originally I had kind of heard that Ainge that was was a big fan of Josh Jackson, and that kind of makes sense with their personnel. And, um, you know, he's very defensive-minded, has defensive upside, can make plays for others a little bit. I mean, for a small forward, he actually has a pretty decent passing ability, rebounding I mean, He's pretty well-rounded, kind of fits as a role player right away, I think, where they are. Um, I kind of think they might, be looking at Jason Tatum more just because I don't know if the offensive upside hits, maybe he has a little bit more of a, of a higher ceiling. I don't know. Um, Josh Jackson, to me, best case scenario is he kind of is a better Andre Iguodala in that kind of role. Like how Iguodala is for golden state does a little bit of everything, right? Plays a little defense passes Mm -hmm. a little bit, just kind of as a, as a gadget guy, which is fine. Um, But I don't know what we're going to get out of Jason Tatum, but he may be this, Great score. He may basically be Tobias Harris. You know, I will have to see.
0: Yeah, and 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 that's kind of my concern with Tatum. Uh, you know, there's definitely a bigger chance that Tatum will will fall and and be available when the Magic pick at six. Um, I've had people who uh, who tell me you're crazy for passing on Tatum, but I, I definitely see that too. Where there's some limited there there might be some limiting factors in his game. He's very very good. Don't get me wrong, um, but. His game reminds me a little bit too much of Tobias Harris in some way, where it's a lot of mid-range shooting, a lot of isolation basketball, and I just don't think that that's... Especially for a team like the Magic, who's looking for kind of that central star to build around, I'm not sure that's what the team needs, or that's what mm-hmm. the team should try to build around. I think there are there could be better options available. Um, if I were Boston, I would take Josh Jackson. Um, I am very much on record... Josh Jackson is probably my favorite prospect in this draft. That's not to say, I'm not saying he's the best, um, but he is probably my favorite. Um, I just love the way that he plays. He has a great feel for the game. He works well off the ball, uh, cuts really well, even though he doesn't have a, a great jumper, although it was more consistent as the year went on. Uh, he knows when to pick his spots. He knows when to, how to get to the basket. He knows how to kind of keep himself involved, even if you don't give him the basketball. And, I, and that that just warms my heart as someone who grew up playing Princeton and and running and you know kind of running off screens a lot as as my style of play. Um, and so that's that's my that's that's why I love Josh Jackson so much. And and I think that Boston he would fit in really well with Boston because of the defense that he can play and. And, um, you know, it'll give him a chance to kind of keep growing his game, kind of do a lot of what Jay Crowder does or, you know, even he's kind of like a bigger Marcus Smart in some ways, at least right now coming coming into the league. So even if Boston keeps that pick, I really like Josh Jackson there. Um, the fourth pick, yeah, I, he, no, go for it. He
1: had, like a, he had a great, I mean, he had an absolutely, you know, tremendous freshman season. Um, you know, I think he was maybe slightly overshadowed at Candace by, by Frank Mason because Mason pulled in all the awards, and he was a senior, and, and he also had an amazing year. But, I mean, I think sometimes we overlook how well these, these 19-year-old kids are doing in major Division One basketball. Um, you know, Jackson definitely was more productive than, than, than Tatum. Um, Tatum, you know, plays for Duke, and obviously Duke is on at 7 o'clock um, three <laughs> days a week, so everybody's seen Tatum play. He wasn't a guy that I watched that just, absolutely took over a game like i wanted to you know, like i wanted him to at times you know i'm um, another guy that was kind of a three four hybrid was jabari parker for duke a few years back and he wasn't even jabari parker you know he's kind of jabari parker light um so that kind of maybe helps me put tatum you know in in a box of where i think he'll he'll, he'll fit in the nba so so i definitely see what you're saying um let me ask you this so oh, phil yeah um Josh Jackson has not worked out for Boston yet. Like, they haven't brought him in for a workout. Uh, from what I've heard, that's sort of his agent is driving that. Would you still pick him even if he wasn't going to come in for the measurements and the medicals and the records and the workout and all that stuff? Would you still, if you were Ainge, pick him anyways?
0: If, if I were Ainge, I might, I might let it skate by with just doing an interview. I think, you know, his body of work in games i think speaks for itself in a lot of ways um and and i think what's more concerning with him is you know a figuring out what happened in that parking lot um you know you know that that caused him you know that he uh, he was what cited or i don't know if he was arrested i don't want to i don't want to get it wrong and i don't want to belittle what happened that that night because it's it's definitely troubling um, but I want to sit him down in a room and and talk to him at the very very least. I want to get that job interview uh, that that is probably the most important part of this process. The measurements, you know, I trust the measurements that that you might be able to get, you know, like on draft express and and and, you know, again, right. you, you can see him play and you can kind of see his game. I like him enough that I'm willing to do it without the workout. But with a pick this high, I do want to get him in that interview room, and I do want to talk to him face to face before making that final decision. But at the end of the day, with all the other players available to me as the Celtics and and what my needs are, I'm and we'll talk about him in a little bit, I'm personally a little bit lower on Jonathan Isaac than a lot of other people. I would be making this pick between Josh Jackson and Jonathan Isaac because if I'm Boston, I need someone that can do something for me now. And at the very least, Jackson and Isaac are the two best defenders and they can do something for you now. And Isaac's got the potential right. that if you take him at three, everyone will say, oh, that's a little bit of a reach. But, you know, he probably does have the third best most potential in this league if you're if you're going to play that game, or in this draft, if you're going to play that game. So uh, I, I would probably still take Jackson at the end of the day. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, let's move on to pick number four. That is the Phoenix Suns. And I think this is probably the point where the draft makes its first big pivot. Um, you know, usually you see in a draft There are, um, you know, maybe One or two picks very early on That, that kind of sets in motion the order For the rest of the draft And who it's going to be available And especially for the Magic picking at 6 Because I think we both agree who might go 5 But at 4, things could really, really change What What is your sense on, on Who Phoenix should pick?
1: Uh, I, honestly, I have no idea um, <laughs> <laughs> You know, I mean, I guess if There was a situation where Boston went Tatum over Jackson, then Jackson's right there for the Suns to scoop up at four. And, you know, that's a team that could score the basketball but can't defend anybody, so he would be Mm -hmm. pretty perfect for them. And you could flip-flop those guys. If Boston picked Jackson, then I could see them picking Tatum. It's not as good of a fit because they already have scores, and that's really all Tatum is going to – you know give you um they've already got tj warren there at the wing to score obviously booker to score so i don't know you know if let's just say the celtics pick jackson i really think the Suns in their best interest would maybe go jonathan isaac um that's what i see a lot on twitter and you hear the whispers and I, i think they they may have promised or you know how those promises go but have talked to isaac where where maybe you know he's their guy so so i don't know
0: yeah, and and you know, Phoenix too, I, the thing I wonder with Phoenix is what is their situation with Eric Bledsoe. Are they gonna stick with Bledsoe or are they looking to make his replacement? Because the only thing that I can really say for certain with Phoenix is aside from Devin Booker being locked in at the two, they have a lot of young fours that I don't think they want to mess with. So like your Marquis Chris, Dragon Bender, they don't wanna mess with those guys and, and, and mm-hmm. crowd them. And so you know they, they got to find some some wing help, you know some kind of big wing help, which might lead me to believe they could go for a guy like Isaac. Um, but you know I, at the same time I'm thinking you know maybe maybe they'll go you know kind of against the grain and say we're done with Bledsoe we're gonna start grooming his replacement in Fox and Dar- Darren Fox and so Phoenix is a team that I think could go in a number of different directions. I think conventional wisdom says they'll take whoever's left between Tatum and Jackson. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know they could go in a different. They could go in any number of directions. That's why I think their pick is going to be so fascinating and kind of start the dominoes turning. Because say if they pick Fox, then what does Sacramento do? Does Sacramento go for a wing? Right. Do they go for another? Do they you know say, shoot, we didn't get Fox. We still need a point guard. Let's take Dennis Smith. You know what direction do they go after that? And so I think that's that's a a huge question uh, for for the for for the kings after the suns make their pick those 5 minutes are going to be really really important um right and i'll give
1: you i'll give you a wild card here totally against the grain doesn't make any sense personnel wise but you know it is phoenix and over the years they obviously love to score the basketball and they love to take kentucky guards as a mm-hmm. total wild card i would watch for malik monk Ooh, in phoenix he just yeah. kind of seems like a guy in Phoenix, who could come off the bench and play thirty minutes and score fifteen to twenty points? Eventually, down the road, but he just kind of seems like what they do and what they want to do. I mean, you know, Monk kind of seems like a guy.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's that's definitely a real option for them, even with uh, even with Booker there. Uh, let's move on to pick number five, uh, Sacramento on the on the clock. There, uh, you know, we were talking before; we both kind of think that that Darren Fox is their guy. Um mm-hmm. what do you like about Darren Fox?
1: Uh, um you know I've got to be honest I'll admit when I was wrong er- earlier on in the season you know um I watched Kentucky play their their non-conference you know schedule in November and I'm watching guys like Fox and Monk and their pace they were just running up and down the court and I just could not get over it I was just enthralled by how fast they were playing and I'm like this guy Fox is going to be the next great point guard in the NBA but as the season played out You know, I kind of was not so warm on him anymore. And it wasn't just his shooting, you know, as I've kind of dug deep into Darren Fox. My thing with him is he did most of his damage, I guess, in my opinion, this year at the free throw line. Um, Is he going to be able to get to the free throw line in the NBA as much as he did in the SEC? I mean, even that game in the tournament that, that he torched UCLA, you know, he got to the free throw line something like I don't know, like 15 times or it was 20 times. It was crazy. You know, he's so long, but is he going to be able at 170 pounds to get to the charity stripe in the NBA as much as he did in college? You know, there's some other point guards, frankly. I just like more. Like, I mean, I just, I think, you know, um, Dennis Smith Jr. just runs an offense a little bit better, obviously shoots better. Um, but, but Fox and transition, I guess, is where I like him the, the, the most, um, defensive upside, I guess, but I don't know. I'm just not as big of a deer and Fox Fox as Maybe some other people are.
0: Okay. Um, are you concerned at all about his shooting and, and how does he compare? I mean, I've kind of always been in this point guard debate and we'll talk about it a little bit more. I guess we'll talk about it here. Um, you know, the magic have Alfred Payton and he is a very divisive figure. They got him for mm-hmm. one more year on his rookie contract, and I've always kind of told people, I'm not as high in Darren Fox too, but Darren Fox is kind of the point where I'm like, maybe I'll stick with Alfred Payton one more year. Now I have mm-hmm. Dennis Smith ranked ahead of Darren Fox, but because to me Darren Fox is kind of what we all want Alfred Payton to be, or at least how he played in college is what we all want Alfred Payton to be. How do you, how do you make that comparison between Fox and Payton? Is there a comparison to make there, and should the Magic be worried should Fox fall to them at six? About about that. I mean, I, I
1: see, I see why everybody makes that comparison. I mean, they're similar. I mean, I guess De'Aaron Fox is more Alfred Payton than De'Aaron Fox is Steph Curry. <laughs> I mean, there, there's <laughs> That's there's fair. a similarity there, but. Um, I agree with you. I mean, Darren Fox is already at nineteen years old way more developed and ahead of the game than than where Peyton was at nineteen or or twenty years Mm -hmm. old, you know, because Fox already I think plays defense at a higher level than than Peyton, you know, has. I think that's been the most frustrating thing for me with Peyton is I think everybody knew he was gonna struggle to shoot the basketball, but I, I don't think I anticipated that he would struggle this much in year three as he has, you know, defending the basketball, you know, he's athletic, he's long Peyton, you know, why is he struggling still three years in to defend the pick and roll and that kind of stuff. So if he can't shoot and he's not stopping, you know, the other team's point guard, um, you know, the, that's where I think that's why he's so de- divisive. Um, Fox is a little bit higher upside guy for me, but, but there's some other point guards I just like a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think, you know, as we get to pick number six, um, the way we see this draft kind of playing out, the Magic are going to probably have their choice between Jonathan Isaac and De- Dennis Smith Jr. And, and, and you know, I, I've kind of laid claim to where I, I think the Magic should go in pretty much every mock draft mm-hmm. that I've done. I've taken Dennis Smith. Um, I think that Dennis Smith is that player Who has the upside to continue growing his offensive game he's got to become a better shooter got to become a better defender but he's already so good at getting to the basket getting to the rim finishing around the basket and you know his athleticism is slowly returning after his torn acl as a senior in high school um what are your impressions of dennis smith jr and who do you like at the sixth pick
1: uh, I've been a big fan of Smith Jr.'s. Um, I wrote something up on Dennis Smith Jr. and Markell Fultz back in February because I kind of anticipated their teams, of course, not making the tournament. So, so um, I wanted to get something out there on them, you know, early. You know, Smith Jr. for me is a guy that I think in five or 10 years, people could look back on and be like, how is he the, the third point guard or the fourth point guard taken and in this draft? He might end up being, you know, right up there, you know, with, with any of them. Um, in high school, you know, he was ranked higher than Lonzo Ball. You know, he was ranked ahead of Darren Fox. I mean, he's been a top prospect in this age group um, for a while. He just had that devastating um, injury that he still you know, bouncing back from that that knee injury um, in high school. Um, My my, my thing with with Smith Jr. is NC State wasn't very good, right? They had this weird thing happen with their head coach where he was fired and then he was brought back and he was allowed to coach the rest of the year. And it was just really dysfunctional. So I think he actually had an amazing year considering those crazy circumstances and – I actually do like his shooting. I just think he has a shot selection problem. And, you know, if he's coached up a little bit and we can
0: but get how much back. And how much of that is him having to be everything? I mean, what was his usage rate last year? Like 27-something exactly. percent? Like, to me, when I looked at his stat profile, he had like a 53% effective field goal percentage on a 27% usage rate. That is just incredible efficiency. Put some decent players around him. If he can step his game up to the NBA level, if he can compete at all at the NBA level, he's going to be fine. He's going to be very good, in fact, if, if he can maintain that production at the next level, um, eventually. It's, it's probably not going to happen immediately, but eventually.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think um, at that spot, I mean, I think you and I think he's, A, the best player available at that spot, but B he also makes sense on the roster. You know, I want the magic to take who they think is the best player because I don't want them to think that anybody has some sort of defined role on the roster and, and him and, and probably don't, you know, think that because they're, they're new, but you know, not only is he the best player, but he also kind of makes sense depth wise because Alfred Payton's moving into restricted free agency next year. If Smith jr. Was there, that gives the magic, all the leverage and all the bargaining power that, Okay, you know, Peyton can take a little bit less money and stay, or if he wants a lot of money he can he can go, but but having him on the roster, Smith Jr. would, would help out a lot, not only as being an upside guy, but also as someone that could protect them if Peyton, you know, should leave in a year or something.
0: Yeah, and, and I actually think Smith is a player who can play the two a little bit, um, if you end up with Peyton for a little while. Um, you know, if, if you need to shift Evan Fournier or Terrence Ross to the three i think dennis mm-hmm. smith can play some two as well and in short stretches probably not as a starter but i think that you can find a way to get him on the floor uh and kind of let him go through through some growing pains and, and some mistakes even if you end up not trading Alfred payton um jonathan isaac's the other guy that i think the magic could take here a lot of people seem to believe that that is who the magic will take i'm beginning to to lean in that direction too even though i would take smith um the reason being john hammond keeps saying you know we like versatility we like length jeff weltman's repeated that what do you what do you see in jonathan isaac because to me he is one of the biggest boomer busts in this draft he's either going to be really good or he's going to struggle
1: oh i as soon as they they hired hammond uh, i knew this was going to happen with, with <laughs> isaac because the bucks you know they drafted Famously, they drafted Giannis, and so now Hammond is this guy that loves all these freakishly long people. And you know they drafted Thon Maker, and and so so I get it, Um, but I I don't know. Like I like Jonathan Isaac's defensive upside as much as anyone that is going to be drafted Thursday night, but I just don't like him that much on the Magic. Like I, I think I could separate the two. I would love Jonathan Isaac on Minnesota, you know, or on Phoenix or in somewhere where he could really be like the guy defensively. Um, you know, Minnesota, you slide him right there in between Carl Anthony towns and, and Andrew Wiggins. And I think they really have something there. You know, you slide, even like you said, if Boston reached, if they slide Isaac in between Jalen Brown or Jay Crowder and now Horford or something like that, you know, somewhere where he can get some open shots, but not have to be the man and just play defense. I think he could really thrive I just don't see the fit on Orlando's roster because what does he do? He's going to play defense. He's going to get a little bit of offense. I mean, he, to me, it seems like he's too redundant. He's too redundant with Aaron Gordon already on the roster. Are we going to go through this thing again with, is he a three or is he a four? Is Gordon a three or a four? Like, can those guys coexist? Um, That's my thing with, with Jonathan Isaac. He's not, for me, an alpha enough. And I know some Uh people don't like that term, but Dennis Smith Jr. could bust, right? He could totally be... Any of these players can bust. But if he hits his ceiling, that's what the Magic need more, I guess, in my opinion, what he could hit on. You know, if Jonathan Isaac hits, that's great, but we also already have Aaron Gordon who kind of does some similar things. Yeah,
0: and I think that's my... I mean, among my many concerns with Isaac it's going to take a few years for Isaac to get to get to where he, his potential is. Um, he's just so raw at this point. Um, and I think that the Magic are in a position where they want to make the playoffs sooner than later. I mean, it's been five years since they made their last playoff spot. It's a kind of new management group, but they're not looking to tear everything down and restart. They want to kind of pivot. They're trying to pivot a little bit. And, and I think that that means... You know, they want a player who's going to grow and, and still have some high upside, but can contribute a little bit more consistently now. And on top of all this, you got Aaron Gordon in the final year of his rookie deal. I, I think the Magic are still invested enough in Aaron Gordon to, to say, we need to see what he can be. We need to see who he is still. Um, and some of it is, okay, of course, they should have figured that out by now. It's been three years. But, you know, now is the time they need to let him go. And, you know, I think that you got to give him the chance to breathe. Last year, they didn't give him that chance to breathe because they had him at the three. They, they kind of changed everything up on him. And so I think bringing in a player who collides with him, who runs into him like, like Isaac does, even though they're versatile and they can switch, unless Gordon becomes a knockdown three-point shooter or Isaac becomes a knockdown three-point shooter, I don't think it's going to work long-term, the two of them together. And, And I don't think the Magic are in a position where they're ready to trade Aaron Gordon quite yet. And I know that Weltman said yesterday on Monday that they don't want to be picking for fit yet. And I agree with that. They need to take the best player available. But they need to have some consideration for the guy, or at least for whoever they think is the future of this team, and right now, I think that's Aaron Gordon. And I think they've got to give Aaron Gordon the, abil- the ability and the space to really see who he can become and and have the chance to-, to get to his potential.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're always taking the best player available without taking any consideration into who's you're on the, the roster, you're actually not giving that so-called best player available a chance to actually develop. I mean, I guess that's what Hennigan thought he was doing. And then the next thing you know... You've got all these non-shooters, you know, on the floor. These athletes that he thought were the best players that didn't ever really fit. So I completely agree and kind of see what you're saying there.
0: Um, yeah. Besides the guys that we, besides the six guys we just mentioned, um, we, we talked a little bit about Malik Monk as well. Um, who who else do you look? Who else are you looking at? Is there someone else that? that you really like in this kind of area of the draft at the Magic might take a reach on and pick or might be willing to try and trade up to get a second top ten pick to get. What do you think?
1: Um not not really. I mean honestly I, I think that's that that's the the rundown there. I think they're just going to catch, you know, whoever is is not drafting the first five spots. I think they have their their six or seven guys and when you start looking at Monk or, or marketing, I think you're you're starting to to really reach, you know, uh, a little bit. Um, let me kinda try to put to bed what we were just talking about. You know, with Dennis Smith Jr., my, my deciding thing with him is is when I watched his film against Duke. You know, he had this absolutely amazing game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. He had a couple just unbelievable performances against Miami. His his best games I think were more impressive than Jonathan Isaacs' best games. I mean, both Mm -hmm. these guys are 19, so they're going to have duds. You know, Dennis Smith Jr. had some terrible games. You know, he was inconsistent. But when he was at his best, even amidst all that dysfunction and all that stuff, he was clearly the best player on the floor. I don't know, like six or seven games, you know, on the schedule this year. There were games I watched Florida State – I didn't even notice Jonathan Isaac for like 20, 30 That's, minutes. Like, that,
0: that was my issue with Isaac too. Like he is just so passive. And and it's hard to ask, to me, it's hard to ask a freshman on a team full of veterans to, to take a step up. I mean, we talked about the way Josh Jackson, true. the way Josh true. Jackson produced, but Frank Mason was the leader of that team. Um, and it's really hard to ask freshmen to lead. And, and especially if it's not in your nature. Like Smith tried, but you could see the frustration. He needed, he needed a, a senior to teach him some things. Um, and I think that that is still still a a concern, but but I agree that's my big concern with Isaac is that he just he kind of floats around the perimeter a little too much and doesn't really do anything mm-hmm. um i'll I'll give you one name that I think magic fans should at least keep an eye on. I think it's very, 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 very unlikely that the magic take him. But I do think with all the talk about length and versatility, I think that Frank Tillakina has to be put into the conversation. Uh, kid, the, the 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 kid from France, the point, point guard, shooting guard from France, really, really long. Um, you know, has you know has the length to be a. Re- he's already a, a pretty solid defender. It sounds like um, he's got uh, an improving offensive game. He's got to become a better shooter, uh, but he put up a lot of really good scoring games against kids his age in France as well as for the French for the team that he's playing for. Um, I think he's playing for Strasbourg, is that right mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. He had a big game for Strasbourg just before the draft uh, process uh, really kicked into high gear. Um, and so I think that Tilakina, if you know John Hammond's known for taking some stretches, uh, I don't think they'll take one here. I think there are six very very good players on the board and they don't need to reach for Tilakina. but I think Tilakina's is a player that the magic could you know it, it, if they took him it would surprise me, but then it'd be like, yeah i i could I could see them i could could' have see I should have seen them doing this. And so with this talk about length and versatility i've 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 penciled to onto my radar. um but I, I again, I don't think it will happen.
1: yeah, I think that's just kind of how jaded we are as followers of Orlando magic is they're really you're not surprised by by anything at this point the last few drafts. I think you know the fan base is focused in on a few other guys, and then Aaron Gordon kind of came out of left field and you know, Magic fans were focused on a few other guys, and you know Mario Hisonia was selected. So, so you do kind of prepare for the the unknown there a little bit. I could see it. I definitely could see it. It just reminds me so much of the Hisonia draft. You know, Hisonia mm-hmm. was a guy that didn't come over to the United States and do a whole lot of workouts because the team he was playing for, you know, in Spain was in their playoffs. You know, in their championship, and he had a couple good games in their playoff run in Europe, and. Um, that's exactly what happened to, to, to Frank this year. So um, it just seems like a twilight zone kind of thing almost. And it, and it would it would it wouldn't shock me, I guess. But
0: I guess I'll say I hope it doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm I don't think it will happen. But you heard it here first. Um, let's let's uh, go into the rest of this the rest of this draft. Um, the Magic have three more picks in the draft. It's pretty widely believed that the Magic will try and trade up. Um, the, I think after about eight or nine when you get past Isaac and Tilakina and monk, um, there's a pretty I think sizable drop off in in the quality of talent uh, in this draft. but is there someone say in that late lottery that you think the magic should trade up should should be should try and trade up to, to draft? I don't know maybe
1: maybe Luke Kennard. I don't mm-hmm. know, really, like, I'm not as big of a fan. I know this sounds weird. I'm not as big of a fan of the middle of the draft as some of the guys that I like in the 25 to 35 range. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I like where the Magic are at with their 25, 33, 35. Some of the guys in the middle of the first round, I think, are the really big projects, I guess, you know, like the the freshman centers you were talking yeah. about. Right? The, yeah. Right? The Jared Allen's, the Justin Pattons, the Atabayos, like those bogu, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like um they're they're gonna be a while. Like they're gonna be projects. And I'm sure there's some teams that could pick them in those slots and wait for them. But there's really not anybody to me in that range that stands out. Like there there there's a couple guys there that I'm just not a fan of. Um, I'm not a fan of Donovan Mitchell from from Louisville. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a little short, I think. Um, he's both short in for two. Reach. I agree. And I just think about this, Phil. When was the last time Louisville under Rick Pitino had a guy <laughs> that that came to the NBA that just you know blew up and had success? Like it's a very college system type thing. Yeah, that's a good and point. His prospects just don't they don't do that well and honestly Mitchell was just like a really good athlete like he was the best athlete on the floor but he didn't do like a whole lot for Louisville like he couldn't really shoot like he was just kind of a, a small two guard and to me I've been kind of shocked that I've heard he's been rising so much to me he seems more like a, a second round pick but I could I be think
0: I think when when, when people wrong. saw his athleticism and his length they they got yeah. wide-eyed and I think that's why we've we've seen him rise and mock drafts and and at least in perception of course you know things change pretty dramatically um what are your thoughts on uh you know a a guy i don't know if how high i would trade up to grab him um because of his injury but what are your thoughts on og ananobi
1: haven't really seen a whole lot i mean honestly i'll i'll plead the fifth on that one (laughs) i know he's he's long i know he's got defensive upside um you know, I watched him a little bit his freshman year at Indiana. And, I mean, he honestly only played a few games this year, and I just didn't catch him. And I knew he wasn't going to be a guy in Orlando's range at the top. And I just kind of haven't done my research on him. So, I don't know. I'm going to maybe turn that one over to you. I mean, is oh, there something you see in him? Is there something you
0: Um, You know, I think, I think there is the potential for value there. I think that, you know, you can – you know, maybe give up twenty-five and thirty-five,
1: mm-hmm. get
0: into like the you know fourteen, fifteen range. I, I know I've talked to a few people. Denver might be looking to trade their pick. Get into get into the thirteen range, and, and you okay. know, kind of take a flyer on on a player like a man. Or maybe you take Kennard there because um, you need shooting. They brought and, him in.
1: They yeah, brought they brought him in there,
0: and and they they brought in. I think I've heard that they brought in Donovan Mitchell. I'm not sure if they did, um, but you know, like a guy like Ananobi fits that john hammond profile um of length strong defense really he's a really good attacker of the rim um like some of these guys just gotta you you wonder about that nba three-point shooting but he is he's just kind of a bull um and 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 to me and and, you know like we talked about isaac and some of his drawbacks one of the things that i like about isaac actually is that he likes to defend because that's mm-hmm. something that's just kind of innate in you. Um, that's just something that's kind of, you know, you either have it or you don't. Like, like you can teach guys to play defense, but the guys who really like to play defense are very, very difficult to find. I mean, I I think that was a big reason why the team took Aaron Gordon, um, because Aaron Gordon is, uh, a, you know, a, a strong defender, and, and I still believe that he's going to be a all defensive all NBA defensive team player um at some point in his career. Um, Isaac I think has that in him too. Um, you know, where you know he's passive on offense, but defensively he is on the money. And, and I think that's that's certainly something in his favor. I think Ananobi is is like that too. I think that he is just is really that that's that's what he's going to do. He's got that NBA skill Provided he's healthy, and, and I wouldn't want the mm-hmm. I wouldn't want anyone to take him until they've examined that knee, they've gotten a status report on his on his rehab, because he hasn't played in a long, long time. And so I think it's it's a little bit of a risk, but it might be a risk worth taking, or or, or, or something like that. Because I think I think with you know the Magic having four picks, they should take one shot at someone with someone. I don't know I don't know who it is or where they do it, but they should if, take a shot. They should take a shot on someone with a high ceiling that that slips. If there's
1: a, a spot available, you know, I was kind of, I was thinking 12th, like that's mm-hmm. Detroit, I believe. Detroit, yeah. You know, Van Gundy is just, I think, overwhelmed in Detroit already with young players. And, you know, what I heard last season with him was that he was just, you know, exasperated with Reggie Jackson and with, um, who's the, the rookie with like last year, Allenson and, and Drummond. Yeah. And, you know, he's got all these Stanley Johnson was in and out of the already. rotation. Exactly. Um, so the last thing he probably wants to bring in is, is another nineteen or twenty year old. So so the twelfth pick, which I already saw, was rumored to be already being shopped. You know, a couple weeks ago, that might be a, a spot where where Orlando could jump in. Maybe they're just thinking Zach Collins out of Gonzaga slips a little bit, and that's where they'd scoop him up because I know that they've brought him in for a mm-hmm. couple workouts, and you know that's another freshman, you know, out of Gonzaga that. Um, maybe would provide you know that that big the team you know is looking for, and then they could go ahead and and deal Nick Vucevic or, or something like that and flip him with some of those later picks. You know that that's an option as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the Magic. You know, when we talk about the middle of the lottery, um, there there are a lot of options available to the Magic um, because they have so many picks to spend. Um, depending on how much salary they're willing to take on, they can certainly move some of their veteran players around. I think that is something that I mean, they they need to mix the deck up a little bit, uh, and probably trade one or two of their starters to to figure to figure this out. Um, you know, I I think that. You know, I I'm not the biggest Zach Collins guy. I don't think that's a guy I would trade up for. Um, but there are players kind of in that mid lottery that I'd be like, yeah, I'll. I'll 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 trade up a little. I'll give up a few assets to to get him. I think Kennard, uh, although I'm not a particularly high on Kennard, Kennard's that guy. I would probably do it for Ananobi. Um, I like Mitchell enough that I would consider doing it there too. Um, I might also do it, although not into the lottery for Terrence Ferguson, as well another kind of a reach type player. Um, you know, I think I think it just comes down to what I think the Magic need to get at the 25th pick or with, with their second first-round pick. I think they should have two first-round picks um, at the very beginning, at, at, to begin with. Um, but what do you think the Magic's goal should be with their second first-round pick, whether it comes at 25 or whether they trade up to get another one? What what should be their goal to uh, to use this pick to its best?
1: Um, Probably somebody that could... Score, shoot, (laughs) score. Um, You know, you could go any any direction here because they were bottom third of the league in defense, bottom third of the league in offense, but I can understand. I'm with you. You know, I watch a lot of of Duke basketball. I'm not a huge Luke Kennard guy. I just think for the shooting and scoring he's going to provide, I just don't know how he's going to be able to stay on the floor because I just don't see him being able to, to guard and defend anyone. Um, or even be able to get his shot off probably. There's probably going to be a lot of struggles for Kennard his first few years, similar to what Magic fans saw with J.J. Redick in the sense that Duke does a really, really good job hiding some of yeah. their offensive talent in team defensive schemes that you just can't get away with in the NBA. So it's going to be a, a big-time learning curve defensively you know, for, for Kennard. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they need to to find some some shooting. I think they could probably afford to add some sort of stretch shooting big man, you know, to protect Aaron Gordon. I like Aaron Gordon at the four. But but you know, if you could have somebody, you know, behind him that, that could shoot a little bit, you could address that either at the end of the first or the beginning of the second. You know, it just kind of depends on how the draft plays out. And you know, who's who's falling and that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, you know, in in the Locked On NBA mock draft, I took DJ Wilson with the twenty fifth pick. What, what do you think of him? Does he does he fit that mold? He's not quite a stretch four, um, but mm-hmm. good perimeter defender, good length, showed some increased offensive skills. You know, seems like you know he's, he was a junior, he was a redshirt sophomore last mm-hmm. year, um, so he's kind of closer to a ceiling than others. But uh, you know, I, I thought that he, you know, I wasn't enamored with that pick that I made. Um, but I certainly felt like it was a guy who could come in and contribute immediately because with, with the 25th pick, what I'm looking for um, is someone who will come in and play a role immediately. I want someone who's going okay. to come off my bench and contribute immediately. Or at least with two of these final three picks, that's what I want. Um, and, so, and so I think Wilson can do that.
1: So it sounds like you're talking about Semi, right? O-J-L-I I would If Semi
0: Ojolai is available at 25, I am jumping. I'm doing you know i might trade up a little bit i might trade up to like 17 eighteen to get semi july
1: i mean he sounds like exactly what orlando and this roster needs um somebody that can play both on offense and defense i mean he's one of the the true two way players in this draft um with a body already you know ready to to compete against nba you know grown men when a lot of these guys are still 19 and 20 years old you know he's a a fourth year junior because he had that that transfer year so i mean he's ready to go you know maybe not the the ceiling and upside of some other guys but he's ready to go from day one and i think that's probably exactly what the magic need with with that second pick
0: yeah and and i think i think i mean i i in the uh i did a mock draft today um for the boston globe Mm -hmm. and Semi O'July was available at twenty five, and I was just like Dennis Smith and Semi O'July A plus draft. I'm going home.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that would be that would be option number one. That would be ideal. Who
0: who else? You know, as we as we get closer to the end here, who who else do you like in that second round range for the Magic? I know you've done some work on this for Orlando Pinstripe Post, but who mm-hmm. do you like? Who do you like that Magic can take with thirty three and thirty five if if they stay there?
1: Yeah, I've, that's actually honestly most of the. I mean, it's not, I say work, it's not work, it's like a little hobby of mine, but that's most of the the research that I've done is on some of these guys in the 20 to to 40 range because obviously the Magic have three picks for now there, but also that's just kind of, for me, kind of fun to find guys in that range that, like last year, I was a huge Brogdon guy and I was, you know, hoping that the Magic could use one of their their second round picks on him and then he happened to go right before Orlando, you know, selected. But there's a couple of guys this year that I like just as much. Um, you and I have already talked about one of them um, on Twitter Twitter back and forth is uh, Derek White, the guy yeah. from uh, Colorado.
0: Huge so, fan of his game.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's another one uh, like semi, you know, he's a veteran, you know, compared to the other prospects in this draft. So he's, I think, 21, 22. And uh, he'd be more along the lines of somebody that could play right away. You know, he could come off the bench, play the one, play the two. And I mean, he's exactly what the Magic need as far as being able to shoot, be able to score, um, make plays for others. I happen to see him. I went to the NIT game that mm-hmm. that UCF played Colorado, and he was just I mean, he was unbelievable. You know, he was just scoring from from everywhere. And um, I like him a lot.
0: Yeah, um, you know I, I think white is is a really 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 good um, really good prospect uh, you know ready to come in immediately. Uh, some people wonder if he can be a point guard in the NBA, but you know I think what I think generally when people talk about draft prospects, everyone talks about them like they're all going to become stars. When you're picking at 25 and 33 and 35, yeah. you're just looking for a functioning NBA player like I, I even say this about some of the guys at the top. You know, you can't say a draft is a failure if you get a solid NBA player. Like, yeah, the Magic, you know, could have drafted someone else, you know, but they took Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon is a starter quality player in this league. They, they took Alfred Payton. You know, they gave up a, a little bit to get him, but Payton at the very least is a bench player in, in the NBA. He has a role to play in this league. Um, and, and so, especially with these later picks, you're not looking for someone who's perfect. You're looking for someone that can fill a role. And so, you know, I've gotten into some... I don't know how you feel about this player. We'll talk about him just a little bit. But, uh, you know, I've gotten into some back and forth with, like, Florida State fans about Dwayne Bacon. And, and I the the question I constantly ask them is, what does Dwayne Bacon do when he doesn't have the basketball? Because he is not a primary scorer at the NBA level.
1: No, and and he wasn't even, like, an efficient scorer exactly. at the, the college level. So... I mean, he he probably will get drafted by someone in the second round. There's just there's so many guys that that I like um, a little bit more, and I think that's probably what you were saying in the beginning of the show. He's probably favored by Orlando Magic fans a little bit too much because of
0: the local Zachary connection. Played
1: at Florida State, which you know this is the NBA. That doesn't matter a lick, but
0: exactly you know, whatever. Exactly, you know, maybe throw him a bone and, and play him in Lakeland because apparently he's from Lakeland, and, and that that would be nice. But okay, um, but yeah i it's i'm not i'm not on you know like i'm not on board with that you need to find someone who can can play a role in the league um are there any other players that that, that you really like for for one of those second round picks? are there any of the international players that, that you like that the magic can maybe do a draft and stash with?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, Jonah Bolden is sort of an international player, not mm-hmm. really, like he's from Australia, but he went to UCLA for a year. And then for whatever reason, you know, instead of coming back to UCLA, he went to go play um, in Europe. And he's a guy that I don't know if he's going to go early second or late first, but he's been getting a ton of buzz right now. Um, kind of a stretch four guy guy that, that could really shoot from the outside and is, like, really kind of uber-athletic and long and just sort of where the NBA is heading. Um, I've got two guys, if you don't mind, that... Oh, go for um, it. That's I, what And we're I here think for. Magic fans will, will like this one. So, you know, if they want to see somebody on the Magic that played in the state of Florida collegiately, I really like the possibility of Devin Robinson. You know, maybe mm. he's not a knoll, he's a gator, but... Um, This is a guy that had one of the most ridiculous reaches and wingspans for a small forward that I can remember. I mean, this guy is longer than some of the centers that are going to be drafted in this draft. Um, And he can shoot a little bit. I think he was like 41% from three. Now, he's a guy that, sort of like Jonathan Isaac, wasn't a high usage, didn't take a ton of shots. But the shots he did take, he was pretty efficient with. He, to me, in the second round, has the most defensive upside on the wing out of anybody. I would burn a second round pick on Robinson, you know, and a heartbeat. Um, not a first, but but a second. You know, obviously mm-hmm. there's a lot less risk there. Um, and the other guy is Monte Morris. He's kind of a tiny yeah. point guard. No, I, Iowa I, State, I like but him a lot, too. I'm just in love with the fact that, I mean, it's it's absurd. He He's a four-year starter for one of the best offenses in the country the last four years. I think he had 168 turnovers in his career in, like, 130 games. Like, I mean, less than two for a career. Like, as a point guard that started from day one, it's just, like, it's insane. He had the best assist-to-turnover ratio in the country for, like, two years straight. So that's a guy when you say, is there anything you could do for me? Well, he can come in – right away and be a guy in practice that could push the backup point guard. And I would have no problem, you know, if there was an injury playing Monte Morris right away in his rookie year as a backup point guard, because he's going to run the offense. He's not going to turn the ball over. He's somebody that I would absolutely target in the second round. Um, you know, I I like him as a backup point guard more than CJ Watson or DJ Augustine or something like that. So, um, I agree with you. You know, you look for somebody that could do maybe one thing. Is there one thing in the second round? Do you have an NBA skill? Can you rebound? Can you block mm-hmm. shots? Can you do something that will, A, help you make the team because second round you know, picks aren't guaranteed? And after that, is there something in practice every day that you can do? Or if there's an injury, is there one random night on the season that you can help us win a game? Those are the kind of guys you, you want to look at in the second round.
0: And you notice we're talking a lot when we're talking about the second round players about guys who are upperclassmen they they, they right. played a few years in college and their skills are really really defined and and they know what they're good at uh one more guy that i haven't done a lot of research into him i wonder if you have uh wesley uwundu of kansas state do mm-hmm. you know do you know anything about him
1: um long really athletic kind of a i guess i could see him as maybe a shooting guard maybe a small forward just you know somewhere the wing is the wing but um Someone at Kansas State that was pretty efficient, um, wasn't a guy that took a ton of shots, but was sort of, you know, clearly in the NBA would be uh, an off-the-bench role player, has some defensive potential, um, has some shot-making ability. And um, I just read something on him today that, that he's been just killing his workouts. Yeah. Yeah, I think he just had an individual workout that, that a lot of scouts were and, you know, executives were at. And uh, I don't know, he's probably going to be someone at the end of the first, beginning of the second, um, that, that that will help somebody for sure.
0: Yeah, well, um, I think we need to close up shop here. I think we covered mm-hmm. the draft kind of up and down pretty well. Um, last question that I got to ask you, um, aside from Dwight Howard getting traded to the Charlotte, Charlotte Bobcats tonight, um, <laughs> where the Orlando Magic are sitting right now with these four picks? You know, how do you assess what the magic can accomplish on Thursday? Like uh, like like you know, how confident or how optimistic do you feel that the magic will you know kind of deliver something or, or not deliver something, but you know be able to to bring in the kind of players that they need to 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 prepare for next season,
1: right. Well, I mean, I think there, there's a good chance that they're going to at least bring in one, maybe two guys that are going to be able to help right away. Um, I'm sure you caught that that um, Wellman said he wasn't, if he had his choice, planning on using all four, you know, because that wouldn't be ideal. But, you know, if you could bring in three guys, and one of them sort of shuttles back and forth between Lakeland and Orlando, or even one of them you stash, and you, and you come away in this draft with two guys that could break the opening night rotation. I think that, in itself, you know, is going to be a win. You know, um, let's face it, this team has won, like, what, like 100 games in the last three years, so... Oof, I wish, they won, I wish be, they won
0: 100 games in the last three years.
1: <laughs> yeah, less than that. So, I mean, there, there's not going to be some massive accomplishment to bring in two guys that should be able to hopefully break the rotation. You know, my, my dad asked me yesterday, who do you think, you know, what do you think the, the, the magic are going to do? And honestly, I don't know, because Mm -hmm. Hammond, Weltman, they're brand new, you know, they're already a little bit behind the game as far as, you know, Matt Lloyd was running the show there for a little while, the workouts and, um, you know, they're just playing catch up. So I don't really know what to expect. You know, I I have confidence that they're going to make the best picks and then pick the the best players in there. But, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Hennigan, we kind of, after three years, got the idea. Like, he liked power forwards for some reason. He picked a lot of those. (laughs) He liked um, athletes, you know, and he kind of just thought the Magic and the coaching staff could make them into shooters and offensive players, and sometimes that didn't, you know, work out. But with our two new lead dogs, you know, so to speak, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to expect, and um, that's a little exciting, and then that's a little nerve-wracking at the same time. (laughs) But uh, I think they'll be able to come away with at least hopefully two guys that that can make the the opening night rotation, the eight-man, nine-man rotation, whatever you want to call it.
0: Yeah, and I think the Magic are in a very good spot where they can do a lot of things uh, on draft night. They have the ability to you know they got you know they could fish around see what they see what their players can get but they can make a lot of moves in the draft and I think they can get the guys that they want and get guys that will like you said contribute next year and I think that is incredibly incredibly important for this team considering where they are at right now coming off this 29 win season you know trying to to build themselves back up uh Aaron I've I've held you here for a little bit longer than than I hoped for but I hope that gave everyone a uh, good look at the NBA draft as we are now two days away or so from the NBA draft actually happening. By the time this listens, it will be one day away from the NBA draft by the time this publishes. Um, but Aaron, uh, let everyone know where they can find you on Twitter as well as online generally.
1: Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, my Twitter handle is at Aaron, and um, you know, I'm a contributing writer for Orlando Pinstripe Post. I've been there for about a year now um so uh, if you want to check out some of the stuff i've done on there um i have two pieces diamond in the rough type pieces of exactly what we talked about late first early second round prospects both in the backcourt and frontcourt um but but phil thank you uh you know i really appreciate it having me on uh like i said i've heard the podcast a few times and, and i mean you are doing you are the guy out there as far as magic coverage and, and podcasts and quality content. So you know, um, thanks for having me on. I Appreciate it.
0: No, I, I pre- appreciate the kind words. Uh, you know, you guys at up Pinstrip Post do a fantastic job as as well. Uh, and you know, we're all just we're all just excited to finally get this draft over with and see what happens um, because it's it's it, this is this is to me this is really really the time that I get excited about every year. Um, I have no clue what direction the magic are going to go, and we're finally going to get. That first domino to fall and, and and everything will become much, much, much clearer, but it's an exciting time. I mean, as we're recording this, Dwight Howard just got traded to the Charlotte Hornets. Um, and, and I'm sure by the time this comes out, something else will happen because the NBA is... A crazy, crazy place. Aaron. <laughs> I thought you were joking about that. You're, you're serious. No, I'm you're serious. Right <laughs> I'm serious. And Mark, wow. Spears, Mark Spears tweeted Charlotte Bobcats. I mean, I when you have Tweet Deck up while you're recording, you know, crazy things happen. Um, Aaron, thanks for coming on the show. You can, of course, follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic as well as like us on Facebook at Locked On Magic. You can follow me on Twitter at Omagic Daily. And for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com as well as like us on Facebook at Orlando magic daily one more episode to go before the nba draft we'll be back tomorrow for another episode of locked on magic for aaron goldstone this has been philip Rossman reich of locked on magic and orlando magic daily we will see you all tomorrow on another episode of locked on magic you are locked on magic your daily orlando magic podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day